0: <laughs> I want to thank, um, first of all, I need to make an announcement or a, give some information. She's already standing. There's Kim Lewis in the back. She has, along with a gentleman by the name of Damien White, who couldn't be here today, t- sent me a text. Texas on his way. His car is overheating. They accepted the Lord. Yeah. Um What we did, we went into the back, we talked, gave them the information, information and some scriptures regarding what it means to be saved, and both of them um, accepted the Lord that day. Amen. And so, Amen. Kim, congratulations, wanted to publicly mention today Amen. to the congregation that Amen. she is a Amen. believer in the Lord. <laughs> Uh, we, will, we can We can do there's some things we need to do. We may not do it today, but we will do that her and actually. Da- Damon. there he is. <laughs> Just talking about your brother. He's the other one that accepted the Lord. His car was overheating, but he's here. I want to draw your attention today back to Chapter 2. Brother Joe Anderson, Ronnie's friend, Joe came to our Bible study a few weeks ago in Petaluma, and uh, he's been there. And so, Joe, we want to thank you and welcome you here. And uh, say he's going to be there. So we want to thank God for our brother Joe in the back today. The Lord is doing a marvelous work. Is there anyone that I'm missing? Robert is here, Jasmine's son. Robert got into a school down in Palo Alto and uh, saw him on the weekend, but he got into this very good school. It's a boarding school and it's it's a great privilege. And, uh. But he's there, but he's here today. So, Robert, we know who you are. Just raise your hand. He's home today with his mom. Today in Sunday school, we had a visitor. I mean, a person who came. Uh, (laughs) Rondell was in Sunday school today. And I need to make, I need to really make fun of somebody today. and, And, uh, but I'm not going to do it too long. Rhonda Douglas has been coming to Wednesday night Bible study. And, and, and Rhonda has been fairly on, fairly on time. She snuck in on Wednesday. Literally, I was riding on the board and turned around, and she was sitting there. I said, where did you come from? Didn't hear her come through the door? Didn't hear her come through that side? And she came and sat right by her mom, but she was, she's been here taking notes. And so Rhonda, I just wanted to publicly acknowledge that because it's important and everybody else has been coming. I, I'm wearing glasses while I'm reading, don't, don't think that this is, perma- this is permanent. This is permanent. Instance, don't apologize. I need to apologize, this is, this is unusual for me. But I can't say I see better when I'm reading, so before I, t- I told you I was sitting over by that window, so trying to see. We're continuing our series today in the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 47, I'm going to read. Today I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to take you, these things keep falling off here. I'm going to ask you to stand today while I read the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. And eventually I'm going to buy the, ch- the church or we're going to get another computer and I'm going to download another program, the NIV, since that's primarily what I use. We'll have different versions, so whatever any version a person is reading will have it. But this is the King James version that she has here, but I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. And it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And in your Bible, it may say Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Today, Lord, may Your Word penetrate our hearts. May it open us up, give us ears today to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. During the first and second century, citizens of Rome were required. To take a loyalty oath and say publicly, "Caesar, Curias," which means Caesar is Lord. The Christian community, however, would not say it. They would only say Jesus is Lord, even if it cost them their lives. And that's according to Dr. R.C. Sproul. We know that the Caesars. Began to require people to worship him. You must say Corius or or Caesar, uh, Corius, which means Caesar is Lord. Now, I have to say that if you were put in a situation today and you said and and you were told that if you didn't say Caesar is Lord, that you're going to lose your life, what would you do? I'm going to put you to the test today. I'd like Brother Kevin go down and get me a butcher knife downstairs in the uh, kitchen. And um, I want to volunteer to come up today w- when he gets that knife for me. And I need, an, I need an experiment. Anybody willing to participate in my experiment? No? No, n- no hands? <laughs> Y'all ain't right. <laughs> no hands. Can you imagine that if you did not say Caesar is Lord, that you would lose your life? Can you imagine that your life is hanging in the balance and the only thing that you needed to say in order to live was Caesar is Lord? How many of you would quickly say Caesar is Lord? See, one honest person lift his hand in the back. I say it in a minute, he said, a couple people. <laughs> there is a, how do I say this? There, there is a um, phenomenon that we are dealing with today where the Muslim community is saying that if you don't worship the way that we do, we will kill you not all that if you don't accept our teaching sharia law is part of their belief that if you don't accept our belief we will kill you there are Christians today right now losing their life because they won't bow to Islam or just because they're Christian and when you look at the beginning of the church In Acts. It was wrought with hostility, anger. It was wrought with death and dying that we will come to later. It was a situation that if you didn't believe in your heart that Jesus really was Lord, you'd cave. You'd give in. And there was such pressure... By Rome, by the Caesars, there was such pressure to honor them as Lord and to say it that they go to any extent possible to make you say it. And today, I know that many were cave because when we're simply talked about, we quit. If a person said a few bad things about us, we'd give up and say they have said some bad things about me. If you leave your religion on your sleeves, I don't have any sleeves on this morning, no long sleeves, short sleeves, but if you leave your religion hanging there, it's not going to last. It's not going to do you any good. If you don't put it in a place and hide it away so that when the trials of of life come and the... And the issues of life, if you don't prepare your heart, you're going to give in. This world and culture today is demanding things of you that if you don't take a stand, it's going to catch you. It requires that you participate and go along with the program. Caesar said, don't cause no problems. You do what everybody else is doing. Everybody Caesar Caesar's Lord. If you don't want to lose your life, you better agree. But the Christians says, Jesus is Lord. And it became such a a witness that people began to lay down their lives for the name of Jesus Christ. To the point where Peter, right now as he's preaching this in chapter 2, is risking his very life because of the things that he's saying. Today our culture says don't make any ways. Don't cause any problems. Don't tell people the truth. Tell them what they want to hear. Pacify them. But don't tell them the truth. So the Bible says that people have gathered around them, teachers, to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Tell me something that's going to tingle my ear and do nothing for my soul. The Christian says, Jesus is Lord. Point number one, if you're writing it down. Jesus' death was a necessity for life. Jesus' death was a necessity For life. Your most ardent enemy does not want what is in your best interest. There has never been a time in history when Satan has not opposed Christ when he's been cast out of heaven. There has not been a time when Satan has ceased to cause a problem for the church and the people of God. Those that were yelling to crucify Jesus are now standing before Peter because they asked for an explanation of how the word of God could be spoken by a people in their native tongue whom they knew had not learned that language. How is this possible that we are hearing the word of God? They asked for an explanation. Peter's preaching was a catalyst that allowed these people to listen to a sermon about the man Jesus. This was actually the Lord and Messiah that they had been waiting for and that they crucified. And they're now standing here before Peter asking, what does this mean? And Peter tells them and takes them right back to the Old Testament, brings Scripture from the book of Psalms and Psalm even 110 and tells them this is... The Jesus that we told you about, that you crucified. His death was necessary for you to be able to experience what you heard in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you what it means. Peter begins to explain. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit and proclaiming of the gospel that caused these men and women to be cut And the word cut here means that it caused them to be pierced. Pierced. Do you not know, in fact, someone find for me quickly, Hebrews 4, 12. Whoever finds it, just read it. Hebrews 4, 12. Okay, for the word of God is quick. Go ahead. And powerful. It is quick and is powerful. And what else? And sharper than any two-edged sword. It is sharper than two-edged sword. Any two-edged sword, a, a, a sword is something that pierces. Even the of soul and spirit. It can discern even the deepest things of your heart. Yes. And even the parts that's down and, and the marrow of your bones, it cuts deep. So you might say something with your mouth, thank you. But in your heart, God knows what you mean. And the Word of God has a way of going through all of that stuff, all of that junk, and it pierces the very heart. That's the Word of God. And that's what's happening with the sermon that Peter is preaching. It's cutting them to the quick. It's cutting them to the joints, to the marrow. It catches them at a point that says, what must we do? To be saved. And you know a person is broken when they ask that question, what must we do to be saved? You, you, you cannot hear the word of God and not be affected. Well, well, let me put it this way. You can when you push it away. It takes effort to reject the word of God. The Bible says that God's word will not return void. It won't come it's going to accomplish what it's been set out to do. Too many preachers want to preach for popularity's sake. And too many people want to hear emotional messages that do not challenge their lifestyle. Jesus was always in people's business. He always seemed to know, even when a question was asked, he always seemed to know what the point is. If you listen to Jesus, go back and read the Gospels, and you will find that oftentimes when there was a question asked, he seemed to give an answer. That, what? that ain't what I asked. This do not seem to have anything to do with the question that I asked. What you doing over here? Because he understood the heart. He went to the point of the matter. Some people may ask you a question, but you know there's something behind that question. You hear the question, and that, that ain't what they really asking. Your kid might come to you, uh, Mama. Uh, can I have um? Uh, may I have some water. You know they want some juice or some milk in that cookie that you just told them that they couldn't have. Now they're gonna try to give it. Can I have some? They don't know water. Mhm, and then and if your spouse looking at you again, mhm, that ain't what they wanted. And they come back again. Um, um, can I? What do you want? Would you like a cookie? Mhm, yes. yes. <laughs> That's how people are. And one of the things that we have to understand about the Word of God is that it does not spare any feelings. It just tells it like it is. When we we've been reading the book of Proverbs during noon prayer, just reading. And man, and and and, and Proverbs is a book that's that deals with what's called pithy sayings. It, it, you can't just read Proverbs and just read like a storyline. It just gives you. It just you're like a person that you need to fight. You know, yeah, Come on, man. boom. You know, you know, boom boom. You know, that's what it does. It it just it just keeps hitting you. It, it's not like this little story where. It's like, oh, that's nice. No, you you, you get hit to one side, and you get hit to the other side. It knocks you down, and you get back up. That's Proverbs, and it just tells you point blank, and it and it it holds back nothing. And we've been sitting to read Proverbs and going, ooh, ouch, man. read we then and really go, pastor, read that again, <laughs> and now they go, oh. <laughs> Because it will, we can identify with what it's saying. It's truth. And it just puts it there. And Peter was preaching the truth. And the people said, Peter, what must we do with this word we're hearing to get saved? And then in verses 38 and 40, Peter tells them something that is most incredible. He told them something that had been a part Of John, I've told you this before, John the Baptist, and Jesus' ministry where he told them, and Jesus said, and John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Peter simply goes back and tells them the message that it had been all along. The message is repent. People are trying to do all kind of stuff but repent and expecting to get results expecting problems to cease. That's what these people are expecting. I can continue to do things, and I'm wanting to get results, but I don't, I don't want to repent. Many of our problems in life today is because people don't want to repent. The way of God has already been made clear. He has already provided the remedy, and people have said, I don't. And people have said, I can't repent. There's a refusal to repent. And when the people refuse to do what God says, because even in this group that, that came to the Lord, there are others that said, no, we're not going to change. There's such an aversion today by people to turn. We don't like turning from things that we want to do, even if it displeases God. No matter if God is displeased, we don't want to change. These people who were in Jerusalem were trying to carry out the law of God, even after many had been involved in killing Christ about six weeks earlier. They wanted to carry out the law, but they killed the lawgiver. They killed the very one who came to set them free and tried to still carry out the tradition when the real person had already come to give them life. They said, no, we only want the symbol. We only want to feel good, but we don't want the change giver. Jesus Christ is the change giver, and they said, we don't want him. Yet, we want to experience change. It's an impossibility. And they chanted when Pilate stood there says, what should I do with this man called Jesus? And they said, crucify him. Because he makes us look and feel bad. We want somebody to tell us what we want to hear. Give us Barabbas. Give us the insurrectionist. Give us the person who's out killing people. That's who we want to be released. We want Barabbas. But at this time, they're saying, what must we do? Because there's been a conviction. The word of God brings conviction. And now, six weeks later, they're saying, Peter, what must we do? And he took them right back to the person, and he didn't mince his words. The people that you crucified is a person that you need to accept in order to experience the Holy Spirit. And if you accept him, you'll have him just like we've got him. The religious leaders are more concerned about not working on the Sabbath. So they wanted to hasten the death of Jesus Christ on the cross because it was getting late in the day and they needed to be sure that the observance of the Sabbath was kept. While they killed the Savior, who fulfilled the Old Testament, kill him, give us the Sabbath. We are so bent on keeping our traditions. We are so bent on keeping our ways, even when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life everlasting. We're saying, I don't want your life. I don't want to do what you say to do. I want to experience change, but not the change that you are calling for. I just want to feel better. You can't feel better unless you allow Jesus to change you. Amen. Amen. How ridiculous can it be, we be, that the author of life be killed? How ridiculous could they be when they said, kill the author of life and yet change our lives? Oh, how these people missed the scriptures in the Old Testament that were a shadow of the real event in person that was to come. Jesus being the fulfillment. And yet, now, as Peter places his own life on the line, they say, What must we do? And he says, Repent. What does repentance mean? Repentance just means that I'm going this direction. And do, how many say I turn 360 degrees? Yeah. And yeah. Go keep going. Right? No. 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 Repentance means that I turn around and go the other way. I'm going this way. I've been traveling. And that's what many people do. Oh, I've been changed. And keep right on going do what you're doing. No. You had an experience or something, but you didn't have a change. You're going the same way. Change requires that you go a different direction than you were going. When your GPS, and they, they got kind of cool now with the GPS systems, right? Right? They, they, it used to tell you recalculating. Now they just don't say nothing, and just tell you take the next exit or something, right? Because people, I think, started getting tired of that voice. Shut up! Yeah, that's right. Recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> yeah, Pass the exit and tell me recalculating. Tell me. I gotta go 50 miles down the road. Amen, amen. <laughs> so he tells them that they need to repent. And he says, You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, it's not only for you, it's for your children. And for all who are far off, in other words, this, this salvation that came through the Jewish nation, Jesus was using the Jewish nation to, to, to bring the world to himself. Is it a little warm in here? Do you want some air? Is it, Is it a little warm? Well, the heat, the, the air conditioner I don't think it's warm. That's why it came on yet. <laughs> the Jewish nation was used by God. It says, I want you to be the, the instrument that I use to bring the world to myself. And many of them rejected the author of life. Those that were coming that Jesus was bringing were like from wild olive branches and different trees. And God was bringing them together to make them one body. He was grafting them in. Christ, his, his desire was to always, always have his people worship him doesn't make a difference that he chose a nation to work through, right? But he he chose this nation. He could have chose any nation. He chose this nation, and people are upset because of the nation that he chose to use. They are upset because they thought he was supposed to come in a certain way to deliver them. Here they are under Roman rule. They said, oh, our Messiah is going to deliver us from all this political stuff. He's going to come and rescue us. And when Jesus died on the cross... All their hopes died. He's not the Messiah. And the religious leaders are fighting against him because they were jealous because of the crowds that were following Christ. They wanted people. They didn't want the Savior. Just like us today, people want things, but they don't want Christ. We say that, you know what? Christ says, come to me. And, you know, all you that are, are what? are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our hearts can be so heavy sometimes. And the Lord says, bring it to me. And what we do, we seek the things that God can do. We seek things rather than Jesus, who is the person who can deal with everything else. If you come to Him, you got everything there is, rather than just the individual stuff. See, like I said before, we want relief. From things, But we don't really want change. Jesus says that when we give him our all and our very best and bring it to him and leave it in his hands, he'll take care of all the rest. That's what first fruit was all about. When when they gave the first fruit to Christ, he says, now because you brought me the first fruit, I'm going to bless all your crop. I'm going to bless it all because you brought... The first to me, and now because of that, my blessings are on your entire life. It's over everything that you own. Anybody got a dollar? I can say for a minute. Brother Larry got a dollar. He got two. I'll give me two. Give me two. I'll get back. I'll get back. Thank you. I ain't giving this back to Brother Larry. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is three hundred dollars. Two hundred. You think two hundred dollars? Right? Two hundred dollars. 'Cause this is an example I use. It could be anything. When the Lord says, Bring me a portion. <laughs> Here, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord has blessed me, He's blessing me. He's blessing me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know why. My bills. I don't know why. I can't seem to keep things right. I can't. I don't know why. I just paid. I don't know. I know I had money in that account. I just put money there. And I don't know where it went. Yeah. I, a hospital bill. That, that ain't my hospital. Oh, my goodness. I totally forgot about it. God says I will bless everything if you bring me the first. I will bless your life. I will bless you. In other words, bring your best to me. Give me a portion. I will bless your crops. Everything. And what ends up happening is that people tend to piecemeal with God rather than saying, God, I give you everything. You go ahead and keep it. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to bless you. And, and, and so the Lord says, Lord, I'm giving you my best. And then the God says, you know what? You give and the next day you get a call. That bill that um, we sent to you, that, that was a mistake. I want you to know that that, that bill of, of, of $650, it acted as a bill of $25. You only had the copayment. We're sorry about that, you know. Uh, sorry about that, you know. That's, that's what God will do. The moment you began to try to do what's right, God says, He's already set something in motion for you. I know I'm digressing for a moment here, but it's still part of the sermon, yeah. Uh, I, what God will do is once you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, with anything, what God oftentimes does, he sets the answer already in motion because he knows when you're going to respond. And so the answer is already on the way. Think about this. Thank you, Lord. Daniel was praying, and the Bible says that Daniel, when he, when he heard this word, this vision, he acts. For a word, and the Bible said that there was an answer that was given immediately. But the Bible says that the prince of Persia blocked the prayer. Three weeks. I don't remember how many days, but it was a long time. (laughs) It was less than two months. But anyway, (laughs) there was a certain amount of time when Daniel began to pray. And the Bible says the answer was given immediately. But the, 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 the answer didn't get to Daniel, though, until about three weeks later. But Daniel continued to pray. The help came in order to get Daniel the answer. Daniel's perseverance in prayer and continuing to seek God and be faithful, God gave him the answer that he needed and that he desired and that he requested. The answer was given, but the enemy blocked. Sometimes our prayers are hindered through disobedience, but it's also sometimes hindered because God has sent and the enemy does not want you to receive what God has for you. And so he blocks what God has already sent. And it's only by perseverance and prayer that you go through. Sometimes when you say, I don't know why God is doing this, I don't know why the answer has not come yet, it's because sometimes the answer has been blocked because the enemy is trying to keep you from getting what God has said is definitely yours. And so you need to understand that God's faithfulness, it says, bring it all and I will bless. So let's, going back to the first root. So when they gave the first root, God says, I'm blessing everything. Yes. Stop trying to piecemeal your giving to God. Stop trying to piecemeal your life. Give your life to him. Don't keep corners of your life saying, this is for me, not for God. I'm going to keep this sin, not this one. Give your life to him so he can change your life. You can't do it on your own. I've tried to do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. He says, give me your life. And that's Peter's message here. He says, come to Jesus Christ. Give me your life, and I'll do the changing. And the Bible says, with many other words, verse 40, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message was baptized and about 3000 were added to that number that day. Point number 2, I'm going to quickly be out of here. I can't even get to my third point today. <laughs> baptism did it save them? Baptism, repent and be baptized. There is a misunderstanding today about what baptism actually is and what it's for. Today, many people say that I was baptized as a child. I was baptized as a young person. Why were you baptized? When you got baptized, what was it for? Well, everybody was sitting on the bench and they told us we had to get baptized. So I got baptized. So you got wet, basically. (laughs) Peter's words were, repent and be baptized. And when you look at certain scriptures of the Bible, you will note that it almost, it, it, it ties baptism into salvation in such a way to where you sometimes can't even differentiate the other. In other words, it sounds like sometimes baptism saves you. That's how it is worded oftentimes in the Bible. Why is that? Because baptism was so intricately tied to repentance that it was so necessary to show that one's life was now with Christ as an example of showing people that you had to be baptized because it was a testimony. When Peter says repent and be baptized, he gives the instructions of how the order is. First comes repentance. You must repent and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That saves you. That is what God only can do. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save. Then he says, be baptized. That's the direction of man. In other words, they need to have a testimony that you've been changed. So when they were baptized, it showed them that these people had now so identified themselves with Christ, and this was a symbol that was being used, and it was clear. This was it. So when they got baptized, it was an indication for them to know They are now with Christ. It is a public testimony. They're walking with him. It shows those who said, we don't want him. Those that didn't want him weren't baptized in the name of Jesus. But those that that came to Christ that day were baptized. Baptism is not for the unbeliever. Baptism is not for those who have not said yes to Jesus Christ. Baptism is for every person that has said, yes, I've accepted the Lord as my Savior. It is not optional. It is a testimony. Yes. When people say, oh, I don't think I need to be baptized, I don't think, mm, no. Wait a minute. The Word of God has said there needs to be a testimony for people to yes. see. Yes. It's not saving you, but man, is it a testimony. And if Jesus Christ was baptized, Amen. don't you think? Amen. Mm, So when we don't and give excuses, we're saying, "Hmm, Jesus did, but I ain't got you. It's not that important. It is that important. And it was so important for these individuals here because it identified them. And when they got saved, they then were baptized. It would leave no doubt in the people's minds that Jesus was their Lord. This identification would mark them as being a traitor for those who continue to reject Jesus. You re- you put your faith in him. You're no part of us. As I come to include. I'm going to just stop here. And say a couple more words. i am going to point three. And that is. In the New Testament. Because of Jesus Christ. And the rejection of him. The churches were not. The people were not meeting necessarily in the temple. They went to the temple courts to pray. The activity was still in Jerusalem. All these things. But the churches were actually started in houses. Yes. They went to house to house breaking bread. Because they were rejected by the priests, they had to have a place to meet because anyone that put their trust in the Lord, they were excommunicated from the church, the temple rather. You can't worship. So he says, fine. And if you read certain parts of Acts, you'll find that some of them just went right next door and just went to the house and worshiped God there. While those in the temple continue to carry on an activity. Rather than a true change. What Christ is saying today that you need, you need to repent. You need a change. There has to be an inward working of God in your life. It's the Word of God that brings a change. It was the Word of God that brought conviction to those individuals who had crucified Jesus yeah. just six weeks earlier, yeah. and they're saying, what must we do? It was so powerful. Peter's sermon was so powerful that the hearts of those peoples were pierced, yeah. that they were cut so deeply. He says, man, we, want to, we don't want this guilt on us. On, we don't want this feeling. We want to be saved. We want to know how can we experience this. And he says, repent and be baptized. And not only what we received, he said, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that day, about 3,000. And then you keep reading. And then it talks about the teaching. Do you not know that they began to meet every single day? And the Bible says that the Lord added to their numbers daily those that should be saved. I thought how, increas- how incredible, because it said that they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the others. Preaching is, the necess- is necessary for the acceptance of the word of God. People hear the word of God is pierced. They, they hear, and then there has to be an instruction about how do you live out this life. That's why many people's testimony is so weak today in, in churches, they don't know. because they won't submit themselves to the teaching of the Lord. And what happens is that the enemy just rakes them over the coals all week. Woo, hey. Woo. Why is that? Because the enemy's job is to take what you get today and make it ineffective. And so what happens when we don't put into practice and begin to continue to learn, the enemy steals it. He sits there waiting. He's sitting right now outside that door. Hey, hey, hey. I'm waiting for he got the imp out that door, probably over here, by your car. He got probably got somebody waiting to hit your car, too, bump into you. <laughs> I know what to get. He has a task just for you. He's got one for me, too. He's waiting. And so when I come back together, and, man, let me tell you what the Lord did this week. Satan was ready. He was right there. But let me tell you what the Lord did. <laughs> When I can't hear your testimony or others can't hear, do you not know that the body misses your ministry? And so when Peter says that they submitted themselves, I said, wow. If I had to live this life in isolation mm. of all of you, I don't know if I can make it. Well, I mean, I probably could. But, I mean, it would be hard. I don't, I don't know. But without Jesus, I couldn't make it. Amen. <laughs> I want you to bow your head. My, my Peter's, Peter's message to the people were to the very ones, many of them who had been in Jerusalem for Pentecost and many who had participated in the crucifixion of Jesus. And rather than Peter being so angry, he spoke to them. And let me say this. It was also a message of judgment because he warned them of things to come. And the only way that he was able to do that was to tell them of the judgment of God that comes upon sin. Preaching must include judgment yes. because God's side of holiness is also judgment. There's a side of love in regards to his wonderful nature of who God is, but it also the holiness requires judgment. That's what holiness actually is, God's side of judgment. God has to judge sin. He did it through Jesus Christ so that we wouldn't have to pay that price. So it takes a whole lot to push God away. It takes a lot. But when there's a breaking of the spirit, there is a, a, a melting of that, the Lord does the work. And these people were cut to the spirit. Today, I don't know what all of you may be going through, but each of us have our own things in our life to where we are struggling with. And I can tell you assuredly that I can't do it myself. I could never, ever get through this stuff on my own. The things that Satan has out there waiting for us, if, you, if, if we could see it and the Lord wasn't blocking some things, it would freak us out. He's—he's he's not. Satan is not tempering your trials. He's trying to destroy you. God is the one who's tempering just what can come to his people. Satan is throwing everything he can and God is sitting there blocking. He's just sitting there, you know, keeping that back, holding that off. He's, he's just doing it. But God's hand of mercy can only ex- be extended for so long, because God's side of judgment also has to kick in. And then when we do experience certain things, it's not oftentimes in the full in the full measure. And so the Lord holds back, and the Lord just says, "Just come to me, bring me yourself, be that first fruit." And what I would do, Christ was being that first fruit, and you're in Him. I, I will block, I will hold, I will guard, I will keep you from having to experience some things. And the things you got to go through, He says. I'll be right there with you to get through it. If there's any people, any person in this place today that you're just saying, you know, I'm tired. I'm really just tired. These people were tired. They were fighting. They didn't even know they were tired. And they said, man, what must we do? Just repent. That's simple. Just repent. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I I present. Just give you myself. I just... Bibles, the Psalms says, I just give myself away. Today, I encourage you just to give yourself to the Lord and allow him to do such a work in your life. Today, Lord, as we have heard the word of God, we are reminded that repentance is necessary. It is the word of God that brings the change. It's the word of God that brings conviction. It's also the word of God that brings the healing. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the work that God has been doing and wants to do in and through our very lives. We pray that God, the, the resistance meter in our lives, will go down, so far down to where it's no longer an obstacle. We pray today that where we have even been putting up walls that we don't even know, they'll be taken down, that we will experience the grace And the love that God has so much been wanting to extend to us. Just like Peter preached to the people and they then accepted, it was shown by then what they did afterwards. It wasn't just based on feeling, even though that was a part of it. It was based on the finished work of what the Lord Jesus has already done. So that the struggle and the battle was no longer theirs. It was and is the Lord's. And today, Lord, we are praying that we will just let... The battle be fought by you, that we will allow you to work in us the work that you want to do. We do love you, we honor you, and as we leave this place today, extend your hand of protection over us in your very heart for those who say, "You know what? Yeah, I'm going to accept the Lord." It's simply saying, "Lord, forgive me. I finish. I I I want you to finish in me what needs to be finished, and extend to me." What Jesus Christ has done, the blood. That's all it requires. That's all it requires. Anybody in this place today just says, yeah, given to you, Lord. I give you myself. I want you to contact me after this. I want you to talk to me after. I want you to see me after. You say, "Yep, yeah, that's me. Willing to stop fighting, willing to hear the Lord. I'm willing to just... Do what the Lord says. And as just was said, surrender. These people here, they surrender. say, hey, it's Jesus, the one we crucified. We surrender. We accept him. He's the only one that says. So, Lord, do the work in us. And then help us to carry out and to walk by the work of the Holy Spirit. And to do what we have been called to do as we prepare ourselves in the Lord for ministry. We give your name the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.